0: back like we never left it's double move sports y'all know who it is i'm steph albiero i'm here with the fantasy phenom my guy alex lot and we're about to get into our wide receiver tiers you know a lot of people ask us all the time whether it's in our discord channel whether it's in the youtube comments or on twitter what are your all's wide receiver rankings and when you got two guys that want to go in depth on every single player situation. We come to our own opinions and the best way we can kind of formalize our takes together. If you want the double move sports rankings, take a look at these tiers. Alex, you ready to get into some of these wide receiver topics?
1: Yeah, I'm hyped for the wide receiver tier stuff and similar to the tight end tiers and the running back tier videos, which are on our channel, check those out. If you haven't already, these tier breaks are going to be very important. And it's essentially our tier rankings. Now, I will say some of the guys within each group are not necessarily ranked in order. So, for example, we're we're talking about tier two. We're talking about Justin Jefferson, Calvin Ridley. Just because Jefferson is listed in front of Calvin Ridley here doesn't necessarily mean we have him higher in our rankings. These are simply just to break them out into separate tiers. If you want to get into who we have in what order and which guys you should be drafting where, that's where you jump in our Discord and ask us those specific questions. Ask us for our rankings. Ask us about your drafts and about trades and things going on. So I'm hyped to get into it. We're getting into 48 guys on today's show. We're going to try to at least touch on all of them, even if it's just for for a second. And we're going to go in depth on a few. If there are guys we breeze over, and you want to get more info on them, check out our channel. Uh, there's a playlist called 2021 Fantasy Draft Guide. We've talked about a lot of guys in depth. If a player's not there, a lot of them are going to be. But if they're not there, make sure you ask us about those guys in the Discord.
0: 100%. We got folks hitting us up about trades, their drafts right now. For it's both fun. Dynasty and Redraft. And it's it's just a blast in there. We have a good time. But Alex, let's jump into Tier 1 at the wide receiver position. And look, you're not coming to w Sports. You're not watching this video to see who the top guys are. Everybody knows who they are. You're going to find them on any site you look at, from Fantasy Pros to Player Profiler to Underdog and look at their ADPs. Anywhere you go, it's going to be some combination of Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, and DeAndre Hopkins. And the reason these guys are all in that Tier 1, that rock-solid Wide receiver, one that you want to have on your roster, typically go into the back of the first round, early to mid second round. It's because these are proven commodities that are in line for a twenty-five percent target share or more. In the case of Devonte Adams coming off a thirty-four percent target Unreal. share season, these guys are going to get fed the ball, and they're going to be fed the ball a lot. Tethered to quarterbacks that can move the ball downfield on high-scoring offenses. Alex, the only one that there's even like an inkling of a question about was Devontae Adams and now Aaron Rodgers is back. So Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams, I know we were just talking before the show. You, you could split hairs. Adams for me is still the one. Yes, should we expect some regression for the Packers and, and Aaron <clears> Rodgers' <throat> touchdown rate? Sure. But even then, to me, Adams, just with that, that high floor of that volume, even seeing a monster red zone target share as well, I put Adams number one. Alex, I know you got Hill as your number one. Tell me a little bit about Tyreek the Freak.
1: Yeah, it's close for these two guys. And at the end of the day, it just comes down to the explosive upside of Tyreek Hill. Now, as I say that, I think to myself about all the 40-point performances Devontae Adams posted last season. So he can certainly do it as well. But with Tyreek, I mean, this dude legitimately could go for... 20 catches 350 yards and four touchdowns in a game like last season he had that game with like 200 yards and three touchdowns in the first half if this chief's offense gets hot and hits the right way tyreek hill could have upside that we have legitimately never seen before in fantasy football he finally fixed some of the issues last season with consistency i know previously hill has been more of this boom bust type guy last season we saw what happens when he is featured more in the red zone, featured more as a touchdown threat, and given more targets? And he was much more consistent in 2020. So that's why I have Tyreek Hill there. He's got Patrick Mahomes. He's got the ups, legitimately unlimited upside. And that's what I want um, early in drafts. And when we look at this tier one, you can even probably make this argument for our tier two guys that we're about to get into. You're right. It's splitting hairs because I look at this list Tyreek, Adams, Diggs, and Hopkins. And barring injury, if these guys stay healthy, I really don't see a scenario where they're not performing for your fantasy team. No, they might not give you a top five season that you want, but I think the floor for these guys is at least top 12, top 15 wide receiver for 2021, which makes them incredibly safe at the top of drafts.
0: Exactly. And the other two guys, Diggs and Hopkins, that we haven't hit on are right below Hill and Adams. So you could almost say there's like a sub- Tier within this tier 1A, 1B. Hill Adams, and then you go Diggs Hopkins. Diggs and Hopkins both led the NFL. There were one and two in targets last season, both with over a 29% target share on their respective offenses, tethered to quarterbacks, and honestly, offenses that throw the ball a lot, have a really high pace of play, and run a lot of four wide receiver sets. So even when all these wide receivers are out there running four verts, we're still getting (laughs) Diggs and Hopkins the ball. But let's move over here to Tier 2. There's the exciting trio Mm -hmm. of super young, explosive, productive wide receivers, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, and Justin Jefferson. All of these guys are on offenses where the volume through the air is funneled through really just two wide receivers. In the case of of the Seahawks, it's DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. In the case of the Titans, it's going to be AJ Brown and Julio Jones. And in the case of the Vikings, it's Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Um, These are all teams that have historically been run-first offenses that focus on playing good defense. And we have the Titans and the Vikings coming in to this season with a lot of retooled defensive personnel. We have the Titans going out and making a ton of picks in the draft to address the defensive side of the ball you got the Vikings going out and signing nine splash-free agents on the defensive side of the ball. A lot of veteran playmakers in that group as well. I think the guy that has truly the highest upside to me would be DK Metcalf in this range. But we know what A.J. Brown and Justin Jefferson are capable of.
1: In regards to those three guys, it's funny that we find them here because we so often talk about The offenses in the NFL that are low volume only, you know, throw a certain amount of pass attempts and funnel it all through two receivers. And we hit on the Seahawks, the Titans and the Vikings and compare those teams time and time again, and the receivers on those teams. So it's only fitting that Metcalf, AJ Brown and Justin Jefferson all land together because situationally, It's so similar for all three of these guys. There are some nuances in their game. DK and AJ Brown obviously play a lot differently than Justin Jefferson does. But I'm comfortable with all these guys as my wide receiver one. You mentioned the upside for DK. I agree with you. It's tremendous. Wide receiver seven in PPR last season. But I see Calvin Ridley in this range as someone who I think could finish as the wide receiver one in all of fantasy football this season. Because we've seen what he does when Julio Jones isn't there and he is just a target vacuum in Atlanta. Yes, they bring in Kyle Pitts, but Ridley is going to be targeted early and often by by Matt Ryan. He has a very strong rapport with him. He gets it done in the red zone as well. So, if we saw a 120 reception, 1500 yard, 10 touchdown season from Calvin Ridley, it would be phenomenal, but I don't think I'd be that surprised. So, in this range, I would probably have Calvin Ridley at the top. I think his floor is high because of the target volume. I think his upside is there as well. Um, but I, I certainly don't don't hate drafting DK, AJ Brown, or Justin Jefferson and Keenan Allen. We both we both love Keenan a lot over there in LA. Now you get Herbert coming into year two. We saw just how valuable Keenan Allen was last season. When Tyrod got that punctured lung by the team doctor, I think that doctor might have just had Keenan nice. Allen on his fantasy team and he needed some volume in LA because we saw him absolutely turn it around and with that LA high powered offense. I think Keenan Allen's going to be great this season. He's going to be that number one target for Justin Herbert. Has some touchdown upside as well. I do think we see Mike Williams get a little bit more involved this season, maybe in the red zone. But they did lose Hunter Henry. um, And the defense is getting stronger this season. So a lot of things have changed for this LA Chargers team. But I don't think it's any reason to fade Keenan Allen beyond this range in drafts.
0: And what's interesting with both Ridley and Allen is we don't typically think of them as these huge red zone threats. But you had Ridley at 7th. In red zone target share last year, Keenan Allen at 16th in the NFL. So these are guys, even though they are kind of smaller, faster, agile receivers that you don't typically think of, you know, go up and get it back to the end zone, they have the ability to score touchdowns and are relied upon by their teams to go out there and produce the reason Ridley for me would be below Metcalf, Brown and Jefferson is because all of some concerns about the Falcons offense. Sure. I could see them going into tank mode if things go South, but that's not necessarily an indictment on Ridley in his production. But let's move to tier three. And Alex, there's a lot of guys in this tier that you and I really like and guys, that you and I find a lot on our rosters. When we go running back, running back in the first mm-hmm. two rounds, sometimes these guys even slip into the fourth round. So Right away, we see the two Cowboys wide receivers. Now, let's make it very clear. This is an Amari Cooper YouTube channel. This is an Amari Cooper fantasy football outlet that you're listening to. We support Cooper. We have him well ahead of CD Lamb in our individual rankings. We love both, though.
1: We love both, though. That's why they're in the same tier.
0: Exactly. Exactly. It's do you want the the proven commodity or the new hotness? In our case, we are taking the proven commodity, and Amari Cooper's been tremendous.
1: I... I pushed so, so hard to get Amari Cooper into tier two, like even behind the scenes when we were, we were putting these tiers together. Like I kept moving him up into tier (laughs) two and Steph had to keep moving him back down into tier three. So he had to, he had to pull in the reins a little bit um, on me with Amari Cooper. He does have the injury in camp. I, I think all expectations are that he'll be fine for the regular season, but yeah, we, we love Cooper on this channel. he, is the proven commodity. Like you said, I do think with CeeDee Lamb, you do get that upside in the unknown that we often talk about. Like we've only seen a glimpse of CeeDee Lamb in the NFL. So maybe this is that season where he has that Calvin Ridley type year when he finally broke out with Julio Jones, or he has that um, Chris Godwin type year where he was the wide receiver two overall um, in Tampa Bay with Mike Evans. You could argue that he already showed those flashes last year. And if Dak wouldn't have gotten hurt, it would have happened as a rookie. But, but both guys are in the same tier here, but we're both going to choose Amari Cooper in our drafts over CeeDee Lamb, but it doesn't mean you fade Lamb. Happy to have either one as my wide receiver one if I start RBRB. But Steph, Allen Robinson is also in this tier, and he's a little bit different than these Cowboys because with CeeDee Lamb, even with Amari Cooper in the past, we've seen them, or we've seen Cooper have the upside and we expect upside from CeeDee Lamb, but Allen Robinson in tier three is not someone that we think of as a guy who's going to finish as the overall wide receiver one in fantasy football. And honestly, he seems like a guy that slept on time and time again. Steph, Allen Robinson in tier three is a hot take to some, but I'm excited about him this season. What's your take on A-Rob with with Chicago and a new quarterback in 2021?
0: It seems like over the past three seasons, Allen Robinson has been this name that's not super sexy, But if you take him to be your wide receiver one, he has a high enough floor that in a worst case scenario, like Mitch Trubisky breaking down and Nick Foles coming in as a starter, or even Mitchell Trubisky's playing an entire season just two years ago, regardless of the situation, Allen Robinson has proven that he is an elite NFL wide receiver in all facets of the game from a route running perspective, from a physicality perspective, from a hands perspective Not many cornerbacks can defend Allen Robinson, if any, and he has proven that he is a target magnet. Last season finishing as what I actually was surprised to see, wide receiver 17 in PPR points per game with with that Trubisky and and Foles combo, but he was third in the NFL with 151 targets last year. He caught 102 of those for 1,250 yards and six touchdowns, and that's coming off of another season in 2019 where he had 1,147 yards and seven touchdowns with the combo of Trubisky and Chase Daniels at quarterback. One of the great things about Allen Robinson in his situation is that Chicago didn't do much to address the wide receiver position this offseason other than franchise tagging Allen Robinson. So now we have Robinson in a contract year at age 28, needs to go out and produce and show that he can go and get another contract next season, whether it's with Chicago or with someone else. I tend to think he's not going to be in Chicago next season. But he's set up for another season of monster volume, which gives him top three upside at the position. And that's always one of the hardest things for us to project with wide receivers is are they gonna get the volume that we want them to see? When we think about Mike Evans and Chris Godwin this year, those are guys that, look, we all know they're good at football. They're good wide receivers, but are they truly able to ascend from a volume perspective? And that's what Allen Robinson gives you. So now we have Anthony Miller leaving the Bears, going to Houston, Darnell Mooney's still there, but he's he's nothing more than an exciting upside name that you can get late in drafts. He is a little bit undersized. He's really more of a, used as a downfield speedster. He was drafted in the fourth round. That's not scaring me away from Allen Robinson's target share. Cole Komet is there playing the tight end role. I think we all expect big things from him, if, especially if you play Dynasty. It's a guy that you're probably buying, but he's still very, very unproven. Jimmy Graham's also there. He's nothing more than a red zone threat at this stage. Both of those guys are not reasons to fade Allen Robinson at all. And you're not drafting Allen Robinson for touchdowns anyway. So Jimmy Graham can take all those red zone targets and A-Rob is going to be fine. You look at some of the other moves. It's it's gross. Chicago brought in Damier Bird, who's a role player at best. Javon Wims is going to play the gadget receiver role for them. You should feel okay taking A-Rob anywhere in the third round in a 12-team PPR redraft league. And where the upside comes in this year for Allen Robinson, it's the narrative that you have to believe in if you're taking him at this draft spot is Justin Fields. Justin Fields taking 11th overall in this draft. The Bears had one of the best drafts. And it started with Justin Jefferson, who has a great arm, showed phenomenal college production against top competition he can get it done with his legs on the ground, but should keep this offense on the field and moving the chains at worst. I mean, we're talking about a guy that runs a 4-4-6, 40-yard 4, dash playing quarterback. And then Chicago was also able to come back and snag Tevin Jenkins in the second round as a very, very strong offensive tackle, which would help round out that offensive line for them that they've been trying to improve for so many seasons. And so with A-Rob, we've seen the floor. It, re- it exists regardless of quarterback. Robinson should easily be a top 20 fantasy wide receiver, assuming good health. We know Andy Dalton can deliver the floor. Justin Fields coming in and being that dude is truly where the upside lies. And I'm putting A Rob firmly at the top of this tier with CD and Terry McLaurin. You don't find many safer bets than Allen Robinson.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, Steph. Allen Robinson to me is, if you're not getting one of those tier one or those tier two guys at the wide receiver position, Like he is the perfect, just high floor play at the wide receiver spot, knowing the volume that he's going to get in Chicago. I look at his year last season. And if you look at weeks one through 16, you know, we don't endorse fantasy football championships happening in week 17. So if you look at weeks one through 16, he was under 10 PPR fantasy points one time. And that was in week two where he still got nine targets. That was probably a Mitch Trubisky um, experience there against the New York Giants. So Allen Robinson is just super safe, is super consistent on a week in and week out basis. And I've been a big fan of A-Rob for a long time. You mentioned he's playing on the franchise tag. He's playing for a lot this season, trying to get a long-term contract. So I'm all in on A-Rob. I think whether it's Andy Dalton or Justin Fields, you and I both expect it to be field sooner rather than later. It's an upgrade at the quarterback spot. um, And he's going to continue to be that alpha in Chicago. And there's no one else there that is going to command targets away from Allen Robinson. We're both excited about guys like Darnell Mooney, um, like you mentioned, but a robs just about as safe as they come early on in these drafts.
0: Now to round out this tier, it is Terry McLaurin. We've talked about him a ton on this show. Go watch our videos breaking down the Washington football team. They totally retooled that offense with free agents, bringing in Curtis Samuel, bringing in Ryan Fitzpatrick. And we've seen what Ryan Fitzpatrick can do dishing the ball to wide receivers down the field, turning Devontae Parker in year five into a wide receiver one in fantasy. Imagine what that's going to do for McLaurin, who is the clear alpha, has been phenomenal since he stepped on the field as a rookie after being drafted in the third round. And Curtis Samuel being there really doesn't impact McLaurin's volume a ton for me, but that is why he is here in tier three. And then you have Logan Thomas and some pass catching running backs there as well. But nonetheless, Terry is the scary alpha in this offense. Now let's jump down to tier four. Got a lot of boom bust names, but all these guys have plenty of upside. Mm-hmm. We have Mike Evans, Tyler Lockett, Robert Woods, Chris Godwin, Cooper Cup, and Julio Jones. So right away here, we see two receivers that are both on the same team in this tier. So two duos of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin on the Bucks, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup on the Rams, But Alex, a guy that I'm really excited about in this tier is Tyler Lockett. When we talked about DK Metcalf, seeing it, you know, this funneled volume situation. But what a lot of people don't realize is Tyler Lockett actually had a higher target share and more receptions than DK Metcalf.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. I'm all over the Tyler Lockett hype train this year. His ADP has been rising. Um, he's up to early round five wide receiver 20 per fantasy pros ADP, but as a reminder, he was the wide receiver eight last season. And and you mentioned it. It's, it's, it's like, he's being left for dead. It's like, he's being forgotten about. It's like, he's the clear, obvious wide receiver two in Seattle. Look, I get it. DK Metcalf at this point in his career is a better player. He's a more exciting player. He's a more dynamic player than Tyler Lockett is. But Seattle doesn't necessarily view these guys as DK is the clear one who's going to command all the targets. And Tyler Lockett's just this little number, two, because Lockett just got a huge contract extension, four years, $69 million. That makes him a top 10 paid wide receiver in the NFL. And the numbers from last season back it up. I mean, this dude got 132 targets last year, highest he has seen in his entire career. And to me, like Lockett's going right now in round five. DK Metcalf is going in round two. I love DK. I've taken him in a lot of different places, especially some of these best ball drafts. But if I had to choose between Lockett in round five or DK in round two, I'm taking Tyler Lockett because I think there's a non-zero chance that Lockett ends up having a better fantasy football season than DK Metcalf does in 2021. And the tough thing about Tyler Lockett has always been his consistency. And I have to admit it's, it is true. He has shown a lot of ups and downs in his career, but as we get into round five, we get into these this wide receiver two range. You have to know what you're getting. You're not going to get these safe, high floor, high ceiling guys like we talked about in tier one and tier two. If you look at last season for Tyler Lockett, he scored less than 10 PPR fantasy points in seven out of 16 games. That sucks. That's not great. I do admit like that's always going to be a concern for Lockett. But you have to look at the flip side as well. We so often like to look at the downside and write players off because of that. But on the flip side... He had five weeks as a top 12 wide receiver in three of those weeks. He was a top five wide receiver and he had two weeks as the number one wide receiver in fantasy. Yes, the down weeks suck, but this is a player who can come out and absolutely win you your week on his own in fantasy football. And if we look back just two seasons ago to 2018, I know a lot has changed since then. But Tyler Lockett had over 10 PPR fantasy points in 14 out of 16 games. So just because Lockett's been a little bit up or down over the last couple of seasons, a lot of it due to some injuries he's dealt with as well and played through, it doesn't mean that's going to be the player he is in Seattle. In 2018, he was very, very consistent on a week-to-week basis. And if we can see Tyler Lockett string together that floor this season along with the pop weeks, that's all it's going to take for him to ascend into one of the best seasons he's had in his entire career. And if he can repeat on wide receiver eight, and it comes a little bit more consistently in 2021, and you're getting him in round five, you're going to make it far in your leagues because of Tyler Lockett. And I just love that his targets have continued to increase over the past several seasons, even as he's gotten into his second contract. Since 2018, the targets have gone 70, up to 110, up to 132, and that directly correlates with Russell Wilson's attempts. Russell Wilson's attempts have gone from 427 up to 516, up to 558, I expect Wilson's attempts to increase again in 2021. So, with that happening, with most of the targets in this offense being funneled through Metcalf and Lockett, I wouldn't be surprised. I know it's a 17 game season, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Lockett's targets go up to 140, 150 this year. And if that happens, he's going to be as safe as they come. He gets the receptions, he can get the yards, and he's a smaller guy. So, people don't think of him as a touchdown scoring machine, but he is since 2018. Over the past three seasons, only four wide receivers have more receiving touchdowns than Tyler Lockett. It's Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Adam Thielen, Mike Evans, and Tyler Lockett. So he's going to get the volume. He's going to have the touchdown upside. He's got a hyper-efficient quarterback that's going to make each of those targets more and more valuable. The question for Lockett becomes how consistent can he be? Is it going to be a 50-point week and then a 5-point week? can he string together some more consistency and a higher floor for your team and if he's able to do that even better than he did last season lockett is an absolute steal for me in the fifth round and i'm grabbing him all day if you compare him like if you go rbrb and you talk about alan robinson who we just hit on as a high floor wide receiver one and you can get tyler lockett as an upside wide receiver two fantastic way to start out your draft
0: great roster construction point there glad you threw that out there and the last one in this tier It's Julio Jones, and we've talked about him at length on this channel when the transaction initially occurred where he did move over to the Titans. I'll just say this, and this will be a hot take to some, but I really don't think it's that spicy. Julio Jones has a chance to outproduce A.J. Brown this year. We know who Julio Jones is as a player. When he even played last year at age 31, he was still very, very productive now he gets a change of scenery, potentially a more efficient quarterback in Ryan Tannehill. The, their volume issues are there, and that's why he's the back of tier four. The injury concerns are there too, but this is a Hall of Fame caliber wide receiver that you're able to get. And I personally don't have him on a ton of rosters, but I have to admit the upside is there for Julio Jones this season. Just don't fall into the name hype and take him a couple rounds early. Right now he's going fifth round, fourth round. That's, you know, late fifth is probably where I'd go with him, but let's move into tier five. Contrary to the last round, where you have all these proven veterans with, with really strong quarterbacks on really good offenses. Now we move into guys that have some question marks, but are these young, exciting, ascending wide receivers. And we'll start with two of the guys on the Bengals with Jamar Chase taking fifth overall in the draft and the Bengals clearly have a plan for jamar chase they want to pair him with his old buddy joe burrow get that connection going again use him in the red zone and potentially be the heir apparent to aj green but alex how do you feel about t higgins because he's a guy that i see as a perfect wide receiver to this year and a guy that a lot of people are fading because they are scared of jamar chase coming in and taking away a bunch of targets
1: i love t higgins at this value if i can snag him as my wide receiver to I'm incredibly happy and you mentioned it i mean people are fading t higgins one because he really broke out in the back half of last season some of it was with burrow but he had some good games without burrow so we really only scratched the surface of what he can do with a good quarterback and a good offense and typically what we see in fantasy football is as the season goes on people start out the season bad and they don't fight for the playoff spot and they give up so a lot of people that didn't really watch through the entire season that might be in your home leagues might not really know how good T Higgins was last season. And another reason to your point that he's being faded is because now he's being written off as the wide receiver two. some people might think wide receiver three behind Tyler Boyd, which is ridiculous. And honestly, it doesn't even matter because all three of these Bengals wide receivers, T Higgins, Jamar chase and Tyler Boyd should see plenty of targets in this offense. I like chase, the most in 2021, followed very, very closely by T Higgins. That's why we have them both in tier five and Boyd, I think still can be a value later on in drafts as a floor play, but I I like this Bengals offense a lot in 2021. And and I think all three of these guys can produce Steph, Do you agree with me? Do you think, you know, between Higgins chase and Tyler Boyd, there's going to be enough volume to go around in Cincy?
0: hundred percent Burrow was on pace for 700 pass attempts last year. Not much has changed in the offense outside of a few offensive line pieces in the draft and in free agency. So they've retooled a little bit outside of bringing in Jamar Chase. But to your point with T. Higgins, it's almost the same as the C.D. Lamb situation. I don't know why. Well, I do know why. It's because of Jamar Chase. But we saw both C.D. Lamb and T. Higgins go out and actually produce really, really strongly in their rookie seasons with backup quarterback play. And... That, to me, is all you need to see to know, is this player worth investing in? Is he good, especially when they're super young with upside to ascend? We know the volume's there. We know that Zach Taylor loves to pass the ball in Cincinnati, regardless of game script. They were passing the ball a ton, even in neutral or winning game scripts, they were still passing the ball. Nonetheless, we expect the Bengals' defense to still be pretty bad. They brought in a few pieces in in the offseason, but they're mostly going to be playing from behind which is going to be great for this offense which is shaping up to look like a Dallas Cowboys light with with Joe Mixon and three strong receivers and it might sound crazy but multiple teams last year and and this year are going to be able to support target volume triple digit targets for three wide Mm -hmm. receivers in one offense and we saw that with Dallas last year Carolina last year with Curtis Samuel having 97 targets he got a bunch of carries though and then last year the Bengals also had three guys over 100 targets So now on top of a a great situation, regardless of Jamar Chase being there, Higgins has the ability to take that step up after his rookie year. He's shown that he's a good player in his own right. You know, and as a rookie with Joe Burrow, Ryan Finley, and Brandon Allen, he had a very impressive 20% target share, 908 receiving yards and six touchdowns. And now we have AJ Green leaving this offense, vacating 104 targets. So even if all of those go to Jamar Chase, it's not an indictment on t higgins at all and even though the bengal's coaching staff has come out and said that he's not t higgins to me is the aj green replacement they're both 6 foot 4 215 pounds both used in the red zone and deep downfield and believe it or not t higgins was 10th in deep targets last season i was floored to see that considering the quarterback play that they had there's a level of upside too for jamar chase if he needs to get ramped up right jamar chase is coming off of a season where he didn't even play football because of opting out from COVID. If there's a ramp up period, like there is for a lot of wide receivers that come into the NFL, I know Jamar Chase is this elite special talent and we all believe him to be exceptional as a player. T. Higgins though, could be the clear number one for a large part of 2021, if not all of it, if this is a ramp up season for Jamar Chase. So I'm drafting T. Higgins as my set it and forget it wide receiver two with confidence, love him at ADP in the mid to late fourth round.
1: Yeah. And in a lot of places, I think you're actually going to be able to get him in the fifth round, maybe even early sixth round, depending on how much your league pays attention. Uh, But yeah, we both couldn't be more all in on the Bengals offense for 2021. But Steph, there's another guy in this tier I want to talk about. You mentioned the team a minute ago. It's DJ Moore on the Carolina Panthers, another team that has historically supported three wide receivers. Um, we expect them to support three wide receivers in some way with Terrace Marshall being there again in in 2021, but DJ Moore is a really polarizing guy that a lot of times doesn't get me that excited in drafts. I like T Higgins and Jamar chase more than DJ Moore in this tier, but a lot of that comes down simply to the quarterback play. Um, there's some of the older guys, Adam Thielen, even Kenny Galladay, where I would be willing to take the shot. On DJ Moore. And with, with DJ this season, I think it's really all going to come down to the offense and the quarterback position and Sam Darnold because we know DJ Moore has the talent. He had first round draft capital a couple seasons ago, runs a 4 4 240. He's already produced Star. at the NFL level back to back thousand yard seasons with questionable quarterback play. But with DJ Moore, what's really been holding him back from going from good to great? in terms of fantasy production, is the touchdowns. Only four touchdowns is his career high at this point. Um, Yikes. And last year, we expected DJ Moore to take another step forward, and we really almost saw him take a step back. He was used in that field stretcher role with Robbie Anderson coming in and leading the team in targets, which none of us really expected. Now, looking to 2021, this might be a hot take to some. I expect DJ Moore to actually lead the Carolina Panthers in targets. I think he is a much more talented player than Robbie Anderson is, and if they really unlock his full skill set and his full potential, he should lead this team in targets next season. And the biggest problem with the Panthers, and what's actually remarkable, is that they supported all these targets for the three wide receivers last year. Robbie Anderson, D.J. Moore, Curtis Samuel, and that was while they were 22nd in the NFL in pass attempts. So the pass volume of this offense wasn't necessarily high. I still don't expect the defense to you know, be – shut down or that improved in 2021 although they did make some good moves in free agency and the draft but with Sam Darnold coming in I think they are going to trust him a little bit more at the quarterback position Teddy Bridgewater you and I know him very well he's of L quarterback University of Louisville and, and that's if you're watching and you don't know that's where Steph and I went to college so we know Teddy Bridgewater we know his tendencies we've been watching him for his entire career since college and he's a game manager He's a check down guy. He'll take what the defense gives to him. And that's what we saw last season. He had a very low average depth of target at 7.1. You know, check downs to Curtis Samuel, check downs to Mike Davis out of the backfield. Now we will see some of that this season with Christian McCaffrey coming back. But with Sam Darnold coming in, he should be more willing, based on tendencies in his career, to push the ball down the field and kind of fit in with that DJ Moore skill set. Sam Darnold had an average depth of target of 7.7 last season. But the year prior to that, it was 8.2. The year prior to that, it was above 9. So Sam Darnold, for better or for worse, whether he turns the ball over or whether he doesn't, I think is going to be more willing to push the ball down the field, which could be very advantageous to DJ Moore. So with Sam Darnold coming in, DJ Moore expected to get 120, 130, hopefully 140 targets. Um, he doesn't have to be hyper-efficient with those targets to have a really good season. And as a plus, if we see the four touchdowns go to six, go to seven touchdowns in 2021, DJ Moore could make that jump from wide receiver 20 to 24, maybe up into the top 15. Best case scenario, into the top 12. So right now, he's going as the wide receiver 22. He has around five ADP. I'm perfectly comfortable taking him there. Like I said, I have guys like T. Higgins, Jamar Chase above... DJ Moore. But outside of those two guys, he's probably going to be the highest for me in this tier. I like him more than an Adam Thielen, who we see in this tier as well, who really is going to rely on touchdowns to get it done in fantasy football. Last season, he had 14. It was kind of touchdown or bust on a week-to-week basis. I think that's going to be the case again this year. And I don't know if he's going to get to the 14 number. And then we have guys like Deontay Johnson, Kenny Galladay, and Brandon Ayuk here as well. I would take DJ Moore over all those guys. Although Steph, I know you're pretty high on Ayuk this season. I know you'll probably debate me on that one.
0: Yeah, all these guys have upside. I mean, not only do they have a quarterback that's going to sling the ball, Danny Dimes loves to throw it deep and and passes a good amount. We know the Steelers throw the ball a ton. But for Brandon Ayuk, you know, he's the one where you're betting on what we saw last year and continuing to for him to build upon that what we saw was a guy who was tremendous after the catch a receiver who was really the primary receiver so not knowing that George Kittle is there taking away some of that target share but as far as receivers go I mean Debo Samuel who I'll talk about a little bit later on this episode was not getting used down the field he was essentially a running back that they used through the air where Brandon Ayuk in year one was the downfield alpha x wide receiver able to still produce with you know Nick Mullins and cj bethard i mean Iuk showed that he can get it done now with george kittle entering back into the fold a healthy debo samuel and potentially trey lance leading this offense there are some question marks but i to me is that that league winner that you can take in that you know sixth round that could ascend in a perfect flex name boom bust type name for me that has that upside to be that clear alpha number one X on his team we've talked about Kenny Galladay expecting big things for him he's the perfect skill match with Daniel Jones well, let's move down to tier six now in this tier this is where we have Michael Thomas in drafts as of August 6th 2021 so Michael Thomas uh, reportedly you know had surgery in early June on his ankle the injury that he sustained in the 2020 season he tried to even play through it at the end in the playoffs and drew Brees last game and that supposedly takes four months to recover from. So we're looking at from early June when the surgery took place to the end of September for him to be fully recovered. It could be longer. And we saw that last year where every every week it felt like, <laughs> okay, Michael Thomas is coming back this week. Didn't play. Oh, he's going to come back this week. Sean Payton says things are looking good and he's progressing. Doesn't play. So that's the risk you're taking with Michael Thomas. But... At this value, if he does end up playing and being the Michael Thomas that we're used to, regardless if it's Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston, I think this is where you and I would both feel comfortable taking him. And then Cortland Sutton, another guy that we've talked about on this show, a guy who has the Allen Robinson, the DJ Moore, the you know prime AJ Green type of physicality, the way that he plays, tall red zone threat, can get downfield, can make yards after the catch, Love Cortland Sutton a lot. He's just held back by some questions at the QB position. But again, we go into that in deep, deep detail on a Broncos breakdown. You can check that out on our channel. But Alex, let's talk about these Steelers wide receivers. And we just saw in the Hall of Fame game, Chase Claypool looked like he got banged up for a second. No reports about whether he's going to be questionable for week one. Something to keep an eye on there.
1: He's fine. He was running all over the field in the second half.
0: Okay, there you go. Yeah, see, that shows, you know, I probably fell asleep at about halftime. So (laughs) and I don't even know why he was out there to begin with. But anyways, Chase Claypool is another guy that if the quarterback was not Big Ben, I would be way more excited Hmm. for Chase Claypool. I just don't know how much Big Ben is going to be able to sustain Claypool's volume down the field, the way that he's used, very much like a DK Metcalf type of player, if only we could put Claypool on the Seahawks Can instead you imagine? Of the Steelers.
1: <laughs> oh, oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> but a guy that we're both above consensus on, and we've talked about on this show before, is Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, a lot of people are, are writing him off, leaving him for dead, but Alex, we both love Juju, and I know when you put together some of your takes last time, I, I was compelled mm-hmm. to move Juju up in my rankings after you went through that take.
1: It's an unpopular opinion. I mean, he's one of the easiest players to hate on in the entire NFL. Say what you want about whether you think he's good or not, but he produced last season, and I expect him to produce again this year. He was a top 20 receiver last year, so there's no reason for him to be going in like round eight of drafts. On on underdog fantasy, he's going like mid-30s at the wide receiver spot, which is absolutely ridiculous for a guy who should be heavily targeted again this season, even if each individual target isn't – 20 yards down the field. So with Juju and Claypool, it's interesting we have them together in tier six because they couldn't be more different. Like Claypool is the guy you draft. If you want that boom upside, if you want to take a swing for the fences, he certainly did look good in the Hall of Fame game. It was nice to see him getting targets. But if you want upside, Claypool's your guy. Maybe if you went with Tyler Lockett earlier on in your draft, maybe if you went with a a Mike Evans, guys that are gonna tend to be more boomer bust, and you just want a rock solid PPR high floor play guy that's where you draft Juju um, in this tier as your third wide receiver like if you start out your draft RBRB and you're able to snag a Tyler Lockett and a Mike Evans then you come back around with Juju as a high floor PPR guy that should give you a good baseline that's why I really like him so Juju looks like he's going to be working in the slot again this season I know there were reports that he's going to move to the outside which had people concerned about his ability to beat man coverage and things like that but Reports out of camp are that Juju is going to be in the slot, which makes me excited for him to get another huge target share with Big Ben just dinking and dunking it underneath all day long.
0: And you know where you dink and dunk more than any other area on the field? is Red when you're near zone. the goal line. Yep. And Juju Smith-Schuster has shown that he is relied upon by the Steelers to score those touchdowns, which takes him over the top. I think that should remain constant this season. Smith-Schuster also in a contract year signing that one-year deal in that that post-COVID season. But now let's get into Tier 7. A lot of fun, exciting, oh, upside go. names here. This is where you're getting into some of your flexes when you're looking at your roster. All these
1: are fun, exciting names except one.
0: <laughs> There's one that we'll get to. You know, we, If anybody's watched the show for any period of time, you know that me and Alex are extremely high on LaVisca Chenault. think he's going to have a huge breakout this season. Go check out the video on our channel breaking him down. We've broken down Jerry Judy. We talked about Devontae Smith at length there's some upside there even though he is undersized and an unprecedented prospect that we've seen and then we have the veterans and Robbie Anderson he was very good last year 26% target share relied upon heavily in an offense that really wasn't that exciting he is a year older though his game relies primarily on speed we do expect him to start his descent especially you know being high on DJ Moore and I I'm very high on Terrace Marshall. So that's why Robbie Anderson did drop a bit in our rankings, but still a fine pick here. Mm -hmm. But the other veteran in this range, a guy that some say has built an entire career off of one catch, it's Odell Beckham. And this hurts as a Browns fan, but I'm over it, man. I was so excited when OBJ initially signed with the Browns. And it seems like ever since then, it's
1: just been downhill. Man, I can't get myself to draft obj anywhere this season like i i've done a lot of best ball drafts i don't think i picked him one time he would have to fall to like round 10 i think for me to draft him he's he's essentially as close as do not draft for me as possible uh, no matter what and right now he's going mid-sixth round on fantasy pros mid-fifth round on underdog so I, I just couldn't be more out on obj and you mentioned he built his career on one catch i don't think that's necessarily true because It was a culmination. I know you don't believe that either, but it was a culmination of the catch plus his first three NFL seasons with New York were like insane. 100 plus reception seasons, 12, 13, 1400 yards, 10 plus touchdowns. And then he started declining, falling off this cliff, battling injuries. The efficiency came down. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was a physical thing with the injuries he dealt with. I don't know if it was a combination of that and quarterback play. Maybe he wasn't as focused. Maybe he wasn't you know, grinding as hard as he did early in his career. But we've just seen a fall from grace for Odell Beckham Jr. Give me Iuke, Claypool, Higgins, all these other guys we've talked about in these tiers. Give me them over Odell all day long. And it's not even close. And what what really takes, like Odell, I think, is still a fine player. Like he's not the elite guy he once was. I think he's still a, a solid NFL wide receiver. But the reason I'm really staying away from him in fantasy football is just the situation. You look at Cleveland, they're a run-first offense. They're going to continue to be a run-first offense. Kevin Stefanski brought that scheme over from Minnesota. The Browns were 28th in pass attempts last season. So there's not a ton of volume to go around. And when you look at the distribution of targets on this Browns team, only 53% went to the wide receiver position. They're 27th in the NFL at targeting the wide receiver. And you think about the other options they have. They have Hooper and joku at tight end uh they have kareem hunt at running back who gets a lot of targets out of the backfield nick chubb gets a couple here and there as well and then at the receiver spot it's essentially funneled through odell and jarvis but the pie is just so small for those guys and you still have Rashad higgins donovan people's jones guys sprinkled in as well it's just such a small pie it's hard to get excited about the potential target volume for odell and typically when we see fantasy producers with low volume it's just due to hyper efficiency both on touchdowns and with their catch rate every target has to be so so valuable but if you look at obj since he's been in cleveland he has been next level bad in terms of efficiency in 2019 he had a 55 percent catch rate which is nice. absolutely awful that's something you typically see from like underperforming rookies who are field stretchers and then 55 <laughs> percent catch rate so you think last season before the injury, he'd be a little bit better. No, 53% catch rate before he went down to injury in 2020. It's like st- staggering bad numbers. I, I I was honestly shocked. I knew it wasn't good, but I was shocked to see that it was just as bad for OBJ. So now you've got him also coming off of an ACL injury. And I don't know why we would expect things to get any better for Adele in 2021. Both the volume and the efficiency would have to come up dramatically for from what he's had in Cleveland to have any kind of shot at being a top 24 wide receiver this year. So to me, Odell Beckham has the name value, and that's what's driving up his ADP. There's still excitement around Odell because of what we all think he is, what we all remember him being, but he hasn't produced at an elite level since 2016. He was okay in 2018, 2019, was kind of in that wide receiver two range. He was startable, but he wasn't that top 10 Odell Beckham Jr., we remember from early in his career. So I just don't know if it's reasonable to expect Odell to turn around this downward trajectory that we've seen for the past four seasons in a year where he's a year older, he's coming off of an ACL injury, and not much has changed for Cleveland. So I'm out on Odell Beckham. We have him in this tier Um, It's probably a a tier or two lower than you're going to see him in most places. But I'm honestly probably even taking some guys that are going to be in tier eight over Odell at this point.
0: Yeah, it's tough. And you're right. The name value has brought his ADP to unreasonable levels. You will not find me in, in many home leagues, really any redraft leagues with Odell Beckham Jr. on my roster at best. He's a boom upside flex. You think of the game last year against Dallas where he did have two touchdowns and was used as a gadget player that's where some of the excitement lies but it's not a lot
1: I do have to say one more thing about Odell I know I feel like I just bashed him pretty hard I I never want to say it's impossible right like there's definitely some sort of chance that Odell comes back and has a decent season but when you're looking at these drafts when you're looking at rankings when you're looking at tiers when you're on the clock you just have to look at Odell and say everything is pointing towards another disappointing year if I'm wrong about it. I have to be okay with it. So if Odell comes out, he's back, he scores, you know, 10 touchdowns, has 1,200 yards. I'm okay with it because everything that's presented to me says Odell's not going to have a good season. I'm definitely not banking on it. And the odds are just so much better for some of these other situations.
0: Now moving to tier eight, a lot of really fun names that you and I both like as flex options in redraft leagues. Curtis Samuels, a guy I've been all over. I have him in so many underdog drafts, so many dynasty (laughs) leagues, so many redraft leagues. I think he's going to step into a clear number two role. And whether it's the extra boom yardage on the ground that he's going to get from a coaching staff that knows who he is as a player, or if it's Ryan Fitzpatrick airing the ball out, getting Curtis Samuel those deep downfield looks that he really hasn't had a quarterback that could deliver. I'm all in on Curtis Samuel this year. We also have Antonio Brown, who we do expect to be a wide receiver to this season. And he's going at a tremendous value in drafts right now. If you can get him in the eighth round, phenomenal value on AB. Could honestly out-target Mike Evans and Chris Godwin like he did last year when they were all on the field. Granted, we had Godwin dealing with some injury. We've talked about Tyler Boyd on the Bengals' offense; should be in line for close to 100 targets. He's a he's a not so sexy PPR play. He's the new Jarvis Landry to me. If you just want that high-floor option, but not necessarily guy I'm looking for in drafts. Now, the fun, exciting, upside name in this tier is DJ Chark. A lot of people are probably going to be surprised to see that we have LaVisca Chennault over DJ Chark this year, but there's a lot of question marks with Chark coming off last season, getting outproduced by undrafted free agents and and guys that don't have a ton of draft capital or unproven like Keelan Cole and Colin Johnson. It was scary at times for DJ Chark. And then they bring in Marvin Jones from Detroit who plays the same role that Chark does on the field. But Alex Debo Samuel, he's getting slept on right now but I actually think it's for good reason there's there's not a ton that gets me super excited for Debo where do you have him in this tier would you take him ahead of some of the guys here at the very bottom
1: he'd probably be at the bottom for me Um, I I like Curtis Samuel a lot I like Antonio Brown a lot in this range Debo to me he has a very unique role in the San Francisco offense and he's going to have some of those boom weeks but I just wonder And this might sound cliche, but I just wonder, in San Francisco, we know they have an elite run scheme. We know George Kittle is the number one target. You and I are both very excited for Brandon Ayuk. So at some point, you have to just sit back and think, is it possible for all these guys to be as consistent as we want, to produce as much as we want? I'm sure Debo's going to have his weeks. But with so many options in San Francisco, I just think he's number three in the pecking order in terms of targets on a low-volume offense. Now, his utility role does give him – um, a little bit of a floor, uh, which which is why he's in tier eight, quite frankly. But as the potential number three option on a run first team, that's the only place I have questions with Debo Samuel.
0: And even if it is Trey Lance at some point this season, which is sounding more and more like it is going to be a Jimmy G year, and they're going to take the Patrick Mahomes route with Trey Lance, which would be a travesty for us as football fans. It's tough to see there being enough volume for Debo Samuel to be reliable on anywhere near a weekly basis with Brandon Ayuk now playing the downfield X role, George Kittle taking 25% of the team's pass attempts away. And then you look at Debo's average depth of target, 2.6 yards. That's 108th amongst all wide receivers in the NFL. He was pretty much a running back through the air last season. So now the volume (laughs) is in question. The yardage is in question. And then potentially dealing with a rookie quarterback at the helm, even if you like Lance a lot, there's a lot of worry and growing pains anytime you have a rookie quarterback what you're relying on with Debo Samuel is for him to get those short yardage passes and produce after the catch and for a lot of times whether it's defenses keying in whether it's just the way the play breaks down you can't just break off every single check down for a 40-yard touchdown run. Like, it's just not going to happen that much, and that's why he is the the epitome of a boom-bust option that you're going to put in your flex, really more of a depth play. Maybe if Brandon Ayuk or or George Kittle go down, then we'd look at Debo Samuel taking that step up in the offense. But I think the, the path to upside, if there was one for Debo Samuel, comes into play if we see Trey Lance start and bring a whole new level of explosiveness to the offense, maybe... Maybe Debo's role in the offense changes, and, and maybe last year was just a response to some of the injuries they had to their running backs and George Kittle and and, and Nick Mullins and CJ Bethard being there. But the one thing we know about Debo is that he's capable of making big plays. He has the size at 5'11, 214. He runs a 448, and you see that in his game speed. He's a bursty, physical, very hard to bring down wide receiver. If the 49ers can somehow keep defenses guessing, get Devo in the open field, I think very good things will happen for his production this season, you're just banking a lot of things going right if you're expecting that to happen, taking him at his ADP in these drafts, and that's why he's at the bottom of this tier for both of us. but moving on to tier nine, it's more the same as far as boom mm-hmm. bust and, and questionable volume. Now the one guy who is safe, and we could even make a, a debate about Brandon Cook's being in tier right. eight because he is the wide receiver one on that offense. And there's like Nico Collins and Anthony Miller are are not names that are going to cause me to fade Brandon Cooks. They don't have a ton of weapons really anywhere on on the Texans offense. So Brandon Cooks could just be the recipient of a huge target volume because he's the last man standing. Will Fuller, his his former teammate now with the Miami Dolphins, if you're big on Tua, got to go in on Will Fuller. And he's getting even more depressed right now with his ADP because he suspended week one with that PED issue from last year. We've talked about Mike Williams potentially taking a step up for the Chargers, but him and Michael Gallup kind of play the same role.
1: Yeah, you're really getting into kind of flyer range here, sleeper range. And you're right, Michael Gallup and and Mike Williams are very similar in the sense that they have that touchdown upside. They have that 100-plus-yard game upside I mean, Gallup's a guy we've seen over 1,000 yards in a season. Mike Williams, we've seen having a 1,000-yard season. We've seen him have a 10-touchdown season. So the question just becomes if either one of these guys can kind of piece it all together and they get the hits with the yards and the touchdowns, like 1,000-plus yards and 10-plus touchdowns for either of these guys in high-volume passing offense is in the range of outcomes. So in Tier 9, you're kind of fishing for guys that might not have as much consistency in season-long upside, but on a week-to-week basis, you can plug in Michael Gallup and Mike Williams in the right matchups, and you can get 120 yards and two touchdowns. They're going to have those kind of games this season. So I definitely like taking those guys as, as maybe a wide receiver for, uh, for bye weeks, for, for good matchups, like I said, and things like that. But Steph, let's move to tier 10. Last year, we're going to cover before we wrap up. We've got Jalen Waddle, Michael Pittman, first Colts receiver we've hit on today. Darnell Mooney and Jarvis Landry. Jalen Waddles, someone who... I liked a lot in Dynasty. You were kind of off the Jalen Waddle hype train. We've both definitely been fading him in redraft. We have him in tier 10 here. I think just because when you have a wide receiver taken with the draft capital that Waddle was at six overall, you at least have to pay attention. And if things go right for Waddle in Miami, if he does come out and break out in the second half of the season like we typically see rookies do, make some big plays, get involved. He could have some upside um, in 2021. Uh, we know Will Fuller and Devontae Parker are also there, but all three of these guys have battled injuries already in camp. So if Fuller, if Devontae Parker are banged up for any period of time and Jalen Waddell is the healthiest wide receiver on the team, he could step into a big target here. Now we're obviously never banking on injuries, but the path is there for a guy like Waddle, Michael Pittman on my Colts. I like Pittman and Paris Campbell. Campbell is definitely a deeper sleeper that we've talked about a lot. Pittman has a good opportunity, though, to be the wide receiver one, especially if we can see Carson Wentz get healthier faster. I think Pittman is actually a value right now because of the Wentz news, because of the Quentin Nelson news. He's getting pushed down draft boards when, in reality, Wentz and Nelson might not miss much time, if any at all. So by week four, by week five, we could have the Colts situation we thought we were going to have coming into the season. But you got every single Colts player around or two rounds past ADP. And then we've got Darnell Mooney on the Bears, who I know you like a lot. I'll let you hit on him a little bit. And then Jarvis from your Browns, who is another floor play this season, as he's been every year of his career.
0: Yeah, man, I like Darnell Mooney a lot. Runs a 4-3-8. Kid has some wheels. Mm -hmm. You know, he was taken in the back of the fifth round, but I think the Bears might have found a gem with him because in a rookie class that was loaded with studs from Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lamb, Brandon Ayuk, Darnell Mooney quietly put together a very, very strong season, had over 1,100 air yards. Now, didn't turn into a ton, but if Justin Fields can be accurate down the field, he has a fantastic touch on the ball. When I watch Justin Fields, I do see a little bit of Russell Wilson in his game when he gives you that, that touch, and... Darna Mooney was 11th in deep targets last year. I expect a lot of that to remain constant. Hopefully, he can just take that step up. And when we look at what Mooney did as a rookie, again, a late fifth-round rookie, not, not a guy that you expect a lot from, 631 receiving yards, As he was getting worked on the offense, overtaking Anthony Miller in that offense should be the clear number two as far as wide receivers go. Maybe the tight ends both come in there and split behind Allen Robinson if we're going to break down all the targets. But I think Mooney does have an opportunity and he's a fun, exciting boom bust player. Think Marquise Brown from last year, where if things go his way, it only takes two receptions for him to have a phenomenal fantasy outing. But Alex, I think that's it for today's show. Hit on a ton of wide receivers here. If there's any others that you want us to hit on, and we talked about a ton already from Nelson Aguilar to Paris Campbell to Rashad Bateman, so many great wide receivers in the NFL right now. We're kind of hitting a crescendo with a bunch of young, exciting uh, pieces and a bunch of veterans that are still in their prime from Julio Jones to Adam Thielen. And who knows what this Justin Jefferson news, how that's going to change things for him, but... Hit up our Discord channel if if you want to continue the conversation with us. If you have questions about who to take in your drafts, if you want trade advice, not only is it me and Alex, you got a whole community of folks, over 80 people there in that Discord actively engaged all the time. Hit that up in the description. Thank you all so much for listening and watching. We'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.